All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, my name is Brock. We want to welcome you to this this uh, this newly formed podcast that we're doing on behalf of the Courage Center, which is my place of employment. Uh, I'm the program director at the Courage Center, which is a local nonprofit located in Lexington, South Carolina. Uh, it is uh, established as an RCO, which is a recovery community organization, which the skinny of that is really it's a it's an independent it's a nonprofit organization led and governed by people in recovery um, having those voices at the table having that peer led and, and um, experiences is vital to permanent recovery and and really um, connection and and that tribal community that um, recovery communities can can prosper in um, for this, for the purpose of this podcast, we really want to bring voices to any and all people in recovery, looking for recovery, in sustained recovery, um, feeling inadequate about um, maybe going through some struggles in their life, whether it's, um, you know, a young person, an older person, maybe you're a family member. Um, maybe you're someone who feels that your suffering is not being heard and we want to give you a voice um, to hear that. And, um, you know, in terms of trying to kind of broadly define the recovery community, it's it's people in long-term recovery, it's their friends, it's their families, it's their allies, um, it's organizations who, you know, reflect religious, spiritual, and secular pathways of recovery. You know, the, the main idea for us, not just personally, but as an RCO at the Courage Centers, we, we want to mobilize resources within and outside of the recovery community to increase quality of long-term recovery. We want to, we want to bridge the gap. Um, from treatment centers, really, um, to the recovery community, you know, because there, there is that gap of, you know, dip them in the treatment water and when they come out, maybe they're okay. You know, it, it kind of goes back to that old adage of, you know, you take the tree out of the bad soil and you move it out for a little bit and you trim it up and you get it really pretty, but then you move it right back into that bad soil. Um, we want to be the new soil that, that the community maybe needs. Um, that was beautiful. Cool thing. Thanks, man. Yeah. Cool thing about I didn't come up with that. Um, unfortunately. Hey. No. But uh, <laughs> I hate I so, sorry, just interrupted there. New Soil is not a bad podcast name. I like it. I like it. Um you I know, mean we might get some crossover with the uh, gardening podcast community, but you you never know. It's numbers, right? I know I don't have a green thumb, and when I do, I could probably use some form of recovery to kind of accept that. <laughs> yeah. But the cool thing about what we do at the Courage Center specifically is um, we we serve adolescents, young adults, and families. When Susan and Scotty Mill um, started the podcast, they they saw this need and this gap in the community that started the podcast or, or, <laughs> or the Courage Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they saw this need and a gap in the community that simply wasn't there uh, based off of their experience. And um, luckily for all of us, the, they, they had this vision um, of the Courage Center to, to, to offer space to people who needed help. And that for honestly, for the Courage Center, that looks a lot of different ways. Um, you know, basically, we try and uh, we want to fill the gaps in the recovery community, specifically for young people and families. Uh, we want to provide a community of abundant opportunities, and we also want to provide a safe and supportive recovery-focused setting. 
And we do that in a lot of ways. Um, we might, we might give community presentations, um, you know, things of the science of addiction and recovery, the language of recovery, um, recovery training, recovery coach training, um, recovery support, different kinds of fellowships, um, smart recovery. Um, we have an adolescence meeting that's kind of more in tuned with prevention efforts and mentorship and some healthy decision making. Um, we also have a young adult meeting. Um, that's ages 19 to 26. That is more recovery oriented philosophy involved. And, um, that looks a lot of different ways. And if you're a member of the recovery community, I'm sure you can deduce that, um, for your own interpretation. Um, we're also a sponsor of grasp, um, which is, I don't, not a lot of people around here have heard it. I mean, we're in, we're in South Carolina. We're right outside of Lexington. We're kind of more rural than anything, but we're right outside of the city. But, um, Grasp is grief recovery after substance passing. So someone loses someone to, you know, directly related to a substance use, um, fatality can find, can find some recovery, can find some support in those meetings. And then the family meeting too, um, which is really some of our bread and butter, honestly, you know, it's one of our larger groups that we have. And, you know, our, our adage is we believe that addiction is a family disease, you know, and, and, and living with a substance use disorder can be frustrating and exhausting. And, you know, we want to provide a supportive environment to facilitate coping and recovery. Um, you know, that, um, you know, going back to our young adult meeting is it's mutual aid and, and grounded in recovery philosophy to do three things, literally improve health and wellness, live a self-directed life and reach your full potential. Um, and you know, the, uh, we do some, well, we're not really, I shouldn't even mention that, but, um, Recovery coaching is another another big thing of what we do. And, you know, it can be a fancy word for a sponsor. Uh, some of you in the recovery community can can probably um, attest to. But, you know, a recovery coach is, is a lot of different things. It's a, it can be a sponsor. It can be a motivator. It can be a cheerleader. It can be someone in your corner. It can be an advocate. You know what I mean? It's It's someone who's lived the life that you have lived and who no longer has to do it. You know what I mean? They, they have found a design for a living that works for them. Um, they also live, they live, they live by example. It's, it's not a formal education to be a recovery coach in our opinion, you know? Um, but there is a formal training for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, coaches really rely on self-disclosure and advice and, um, they focus on removing obstacles and, and helping build recovery capital to each individual. And you're probably thinking, Brock, what the heck are you talking about? Recovery capital, um, kind of break that up into, I like to break that up into five, four, four areas of, Social, physical, human, and culture. Now, I did not come up with those, but you can, you can look on uh, several websites and find those. But social is a, you know, a sum of resources based on relationships, right? Physical is, um, stable employment, housing, access to healthy dieting and exercise. Um, human capital is skills, positive health, aspirations, maybe some educational skills, some personal resources that will help any individual prosper, you know, and, and, and cultural is, you know, maybe establishing or, or disestablishing some, some new values, beliefs, and attitudes about oneself or others. Um, my personal opinion on recovery is all of these things could be innate, you know, and, and tapping into those resources that you might not know are available to you is a, is a beautiful thing and really kind of worked in my personal recovery. Um, you know, and just a little bit about me, you know, I, I've, um, I've been in recovery since October 24th of 2013. And, you know, it's been, it's been an, an intense journey. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of, a lot of interesting things in these last six years, you know, and to sum it all up, you know, drugs and alcohol sucked me of my soul and, and robbed me of everything that I 
ever held dear to me. Um, and simply putting those, those devices down gave me a life that I never realized was, was possible for me. Um, I've had a lot of triumphs and, um, a lot of downs in recovery. Um, I've experienced a lot of feelings that I normally would have drank and used over. You know, um, t- 2019 has not been, I- I've called it the year of death for me. Um, my father passed away in November. Uh, my grandfather, who was, who was my, 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 the, the man who raised me passed away in April. Uh, I had to put one of my dogs down in February and I have to put another one of my dogs down here soon. And, you know, those were easy triggers for me to just say, to, to really tap into my fear. And I'll, I'll use fear as an acronym of forget everything and run, you know, forget it all, run, don't deal, hide, escape and oblivion. And that's, that's how my, my mindset usually runs, even in, you know, even 100% sober, you know, and, uh, I try and to take this, this mystical sense of people in recovery. And I don't really like that because people can tend to think that we're special people doing special things when I'm just a normal dude doing normal dude things, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I'm married. I'm, I'm trying to live my life. I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to be at work on time. I'm trying to put my best foot forward. Like I'm trying to have hobbies. I'm trying to have connections. Um, I'm trying to read. I'm trying to educate myself, you know, really tapping into my own, you know, personal recovery capital that again has been there this entire time, but there was, there was no drive. There was no ambition. Um, and there was really no willingness to do anything about anything. Um, you know, I, I'm a grateful member of the recovery community here in, in Irmo, South Carolina, which is where I reside. And, uh, it's my home. I love it. Um, recovery has given me everything that I never thought I could attain in life. And, um, and I do have two other co-hosts with me on this podcast that kind of help this get going. And, you know, the thing that I think we all kind of agreed on is, you know, we're all younger. Y'all are younger than me, but, um, recovery is supposed to be fun, man. I didn't get sober to be boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get sober to, 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 I was already a stick in the mud. Um, and so, you know, with this podcast, we hope we can just bring a little light and a little bit of fluidity to recovery and, and make it not seem so daunting or, or mystical and, um, and really bring fun back into the word recovery. What do you guys think about that? Y'all want to introduce yourselves to everybody? Nathan, you want to start? Yeah. Um, my name is Nathan. Um, I'm the recovery coordinator at the Courage Center. I came on the team about three months ago. I'm from Lexington, uh, born in Columbia. Went to school in Lexington. Um, moved out to Georgia, South Georgia. Was living out there for right under two years. Um, got out there to get sober was court ordered to a program out there um got in a bunch of legal trouble um personally i am a heroin crystal meth xanax uh guy those were my vices that was my downfall that was my one true love for many years um and it was the best worst thing that ever happened to me you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um i started off using uh, smoking weed and drinking when I was probably like around 12 years old in middle school with my neighbors and stuff like that, just like real harmless and fun. And, um, you know, at first it gave me like another, like a self, like confidence and pride and a sense of belonging. And, um, you know, for a long time, it really made everything better honest to God, it made everything better. Um, You know, further down that line, when I started giving up, you know, 
my relationships with my friends, my relationships with my family, uh, self-worth, self-care. Um, you know, when you're sleeping on the floor of a three-bedroom, single-wide trailer with no doors and no carpets around roaches and rats, smoking crystal meth, not showered or brushed your teeth for about a week and a half, you know, that's when it becomes not too fun you know what i mean but so, on the same side you're kind of like i've got it made yeah absolutely dude look i got shelter still you know what i mean <laughs> these are my roaches man yeah exactly <laughs> you know so like dude and i can get in places bro and my mind can get so clouded and f- like filled and and deceptive that i can you know what i mean take all of that and still be like at least at the end of the day i got drugs you know what i mean mm-hmm. at least at the end of the day mm-hmm. i still got dope and like no matter what happens dude i got one shoe on my foot i got like a half ripped shirt you know mm-hmm. what i mean but guess what i'm high yeah you know what i mean yeah. and like it took a lot it took a lot and it took some very serious situations and uh to Give me the correct amount of motivation to, you know, change things and fix my life and change my life. And, you know, for a long time, dude, even Stone Cold Sober, when I first, when I got locked up and then went to my halfway house at first, I still didn't want to be sober. I didn't care about myself. I didn't care about anybody else. Um, I cared about one thing and one thing only, and that was, like, not going to prison for a super long time. Mm. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I, I, I... have been clean and sober for a little over two years now. And, um, you know, there are, there is a fellowship that I, I like, I involve myself in, um, that helped me immensely. And, uh, I followed a certain program and, uh, I did a certain amount of, um, you know, guidelines. Am I saying this right? I think you're all right, man. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm trying to explain my sobriety without putting a name on it. You know what I mean? I feel that, dude. We got traditions to uphold. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, you know, I found myself through a certain program. Um, I found out, you know, I'm not good at much things. You know, I'm not like a handyman. I'm not Facts. a. I'm not a plumber, dude. I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not like a freaking scientist. I'm not like smart in those areas, but you know, I can relate and I can connect and I can talk and I can be a part of, um, I am 21 years old in Mm -hmm. recovery. You know what I mean? I'm turning 22 in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not a ton of people who's got some significant time at my age. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, this is what I want to do with my life. This is my life's work. This is going to continue to be my life's work because for me, I'm 100% all in or 100% all out. If I'm not doing this, then like it's the other option for me, you know, it's the other option for me. Like this is, this is what I'm going to like dedicate my life to is, is this type of work. So, um, I know I just said a ton of stuff. Um, but it's beautiful, man. Yeah, dude, pretty much. I used to be stupid, gnarly, and now I'm like an old man, and I'm 21. So, yeah, I could, uh, uh, yeah, an old man who can't really has no wisdom about anything other than recovery, right? <laughs> Maybe. And and uses, you can't use a screwdriver. We found that out yesterday. And uses the phrase. <laughs> hey, listen, gnarly. dude. No, no, listen. <laughs> oh, let's say, hey, Brandon, introduce yourself first. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, we'll we'll start riffing. And yeah, I want to. I want to hear the. I wanna Jamie's going to get upset. Uh, I want to hear the screwdriver story. Out oh, of the we'll intro. definitely explain it. Okay. So no, no, we're not. 
I I think you've been outvoted, my friend. Um, I'm Brandon Giles. I am 25. Uh, I like my uh, co-hosts are. I are also a native of Irmo. I am a native of Irmo. This is my first podcast. Please don't hate me. Um, my issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't hate any of us. <laughs> Please don't hate me. Yeah. Uh, that was my that was my moment of vulnerability for the day. The rest of it's just going to be jokes. Perfect. Um, Sick. My issue really is balance, specifically. The broader the broader term is I can, I have trouble finding balance between the stuff that I love to do and the stuff that I need to do for life which is really anybody in recovery my issues are a little bit different from uh the typical I don't want to say the typical it's my issues are different from Brock's issues and Nathan's issues in that I don't really drink I never have I don't really do drugs i never have mm-hmm. uh basically i get hyper focused and addicted to anything that i really enjoy uh movies games books i, c- I could watch every marvel movie in a row and there's like 23 i could read <laughs> fantasy novels straight for a week and there's nothing wrong with those things and I don't believe there's anything wrong with me enjoying them, mm. but it always becomes an issue to the point where I neglect school, I neglect work, I neglect, you know, stuff that I need to do for my friends and my family. Guess what happens when you're getting high? Yeah, exactly. Same thing. And, you know, it got to the point uh, with technology specifically that I had to go to a rehab center in uh, the Pacific Northwest and I was there for a while. I did some of the work, not all of the work. Um, it didn't help in the way that my parents and I were necessarily hoping it would. And most of that is on me because mm-hmm. I didn't participate fully. Mm-hmm. It helped some. It didn't help 100%. And it's an ongoing struggle for me because, you know, I have a smartphone. I need it for stuff. Uh, I'm getting ready to go away to college in the fall. Uh, go Newberry Wolves, and this is going to be like strike 13 for me as far as education, and I really feel like I'm in a, in a new place uh, personally, and I'm just trying to make something of myself, and I'm here because I'm also in recovery, and I want to help people know that you don't have to necessarily have the same issues as you would think of when you hear recovery Mm. in order to be in recovery in order Mm -hmm. to make that stuff work for you you really can just not have the balance that you want and be part of the recovery community don't Mm. don't look at yourself if you're somebody like me who plays you know let's say overwatch for like 10 hours and it's messing up your life and you're looking around and like, Oh, well I don't drink or do drugs. And you know, I don't want to insult people with that experience. Like your experience is valuable. You're valuable as a member of the recovery community. And that's part of why I'm here. Mm. Uh, and honestly, I'm also here because I'm pursuing a communications degree and I love 
the idea of doing a podcast and helping people and i hope that i can contribute something that helps somebody if that only happens once it's worth all this you know the cool thing about you man is like it's easy for me to say drugs and alcohol ruin my life you know like that's an obvious i I think we (laughs) i think we'd all agree with like yeah if you're ever using heroin you know it's bad right (laughs) but you know with reading and and exercise and video games and movies you know these these normal everyday activities that everyone does cell phones technology yeah we're all we're all hitting the same reward center in the brain exactly Mm -hmm. dopamine exactly you know what i mean it's just some are accepted and some aren't yeah and i think that's really cool that you bring this whole other side of experience to the table and like i said there's nothing inherently bad about any of that stuff it's just except for heroin well i mean uh, yeah heroin uh <laughs> yeah don't uh don't do heroin kids if you take nothing else away from this podcast yeah. don't please do, don't please, do heroin yeah please like read just do not do once. drugs jesus nathan I'm no. Just kidding. no do not try it once <laughs> yeah don't um, but as far as like you can get addicted to stuff that is not destructive on its own Anything can be destructive or constructive. Almost anything. Heroin's destructive. Don't do heroin. Right. Uh, any everyday thing can be construct- constructive or destructive for you, even depending on the day. Like mm-hmm. I've had, I've had experiences with books and games and the stuff that has messed up my life because of the way I use it that have made me a better person. I've also had experiences with them that have made me a worse person. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw out there, me. Um, you know, like a lot of people in recovery, though, like from drugs and alcohol also deal with like a lot of the same things you just described. Um, you know, I for sure have addictive personalities and it comes out in several other aspects in my life. Yeah. Just drugs and alcohol were the main one for me. Like I can spend a ton of amount of money on tattoos or clothes or sneakers specifically. I like to collect sneakers and the sneakers I like to collect aren't necessarily cheap. You know what I mean? And like, um, Jordan sixes. No, dude, not Jordan (laughs) sixes, Jordan ones, (laughs) ones. That's it. But, uh, like I was saying, um, you know, I can get, you know, my mind obsessed and wrapped around chasing girls and, you know, getting this materialistic object and that materialistic object and spending this amount of money and gambling and lottery tickets and scratch offs and freaking ding ding machines. You know what I mean? The slots, dude, I can like literally obsess and go ham over about everything and just like exactly how you were talking about balance. Mm-hmm. I can, you know what I mean? And I think, and I know for a fact that goes for a lot of people who are in long-term recovery from drugs and alcohol because, Definitely. you know, getting to know some of those guys more and getting to, like, see into their life a little bit more and, um, like, hearing patterns, you know what I'm saying? There's always some type of pattern. And I've noticed that, like, a lot of the guys who deal with what I deal with also deal with what you deal with. But since it's not, you know, they're not getting their car repoed over a video game or, you know, they're not like overdosing and landing in the hospital over a book, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to like own up to their stuff and they don't want to like um, work on that. You know, there's a lot of in the, you know, addict, uh, 
alcoholic community, you know, a sense of pride that we all have, you know what I mean? Uh, well, I'm just going to speak for myself that I know I have that, like, if it's not, like, necessarily completely destroying anything, like, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm going to avoid it, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're, like, we're ultimately talking about our brains, not really drugs, you know? And it's it's, like... It's more about like under underlying neurology, yeah, you know, and not versus like outward action. We're all looking for that same hit to the pleasure centers of our brain, and we all, some of us get it in the same way, some of us get it in different ways. I do have to take a small digression. Ding ding machines, mm-hmm. is that is that something people say? Yeah, ding ding machines. Like what I, is I that? know what you, I it's know a what slot you, machine. Yeah, I know what you meant. Oh. But, like, is that just something you say, or do other people also say that? I mean, I know other people who have <laughs> used that term, yes. I feel like okay. I say ding ding sometimes. Maybe not ding ding machines. Yeah, I just have never heard that, and it needs to enter the the uh, vocabulary of the human race more, because it's an amazing phrase. It's pretty fire. You know, I um, it's interesting, like... I don't remember where I heard this this one time, but they, they, they explained, um, addiction as a gun, right? And they were saying genetics load it, environment aims it, and experience from those two fire it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you have, maybe you're predisposed and have the genetical factors in, in there, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe like Brandon. And I'm, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. So, um, these are, these are all loosely based in some very limited knowledge and Google searches. You know what I mean? But like, so like take Brandon's gun for in it, for instance, right? He's got maybe the genetic piece. You can't take my gun. I got homeschooled. I got a constitutional right. The environment. Were you homeschooled? I was homeschooled for three years. I was homeschooled, uh, for sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Did you go to private school? No. No public school? Yeah. Okay. Mm hmm. So maybe again, like Just trying to wrap my head around your environment. Yeah, you know what I mean, of course. yeah. So like versus me, you and I, and again, not to not to like narrow it down to mm-hmm. recovery as drugs and alcohol, but just the differences in our experiences with addiction and with our own forms of recovery. It's interesting right. when you know maybe we could all definitively say we have that genetic piece i know i do my father was an alcoholic there's other alcoholics in my family you know like i i got it i got the allergy i have no alcoholic in my family that i know of because well my mom's adopted right so like my mom's uh side of the family like we don't know we have no idea right and then my dad's side of the family like eh, some are like questionable yeah but like there's nobody else like in my direct immediate family that's gone to the links i've gone to right blood related that right. I'm, I'm aware of right but like I, I like what you were talking about though like environment and stuff definitely Mm -hmm. um i come from always public school i went to a few military schools but you know what we did at military school right is what all the bad kids do right it's like prison for kids yeah but like not not as definitely not (laughs) Not as as bad bad, but like it's the same kind of mentality yeah absolutely we all had shaved heads we all wore the same thing you know every everyone's doing something that they were bit that they like were doing and now you're just with all the people doing the stuff get, that you were doing i guess get in the desert take a hold make it five feet by five feet and keep digging yeah yeah if i've done stuff like that if anybody dude. can tell me what i just referenced i'll give them a dollar holes damn i'm gonna <laughs> give you a dollar 
I was gonna say holes, but I'm like, well, no, it's not that obvious. Come on, man, yeah. Shia LaBeouf, dude. Yeah, hey, shouts out Shia LaBeouf. That's a yeah. That was. Um, he's got know. a new movie coming out. You know, I think he is he in recovery. Uh, no, oh. but he's definitely should be probably. Uh, he probably uh, should be. Yeah. I know I've seen a lot of drunken arrest videos of him. And His like freestyle videos out. are fire. He can uh, freestyle. That's yeah, pretty he interesting. Yeah, he can. He can rap. His also, he's really well dressed. I'd say. I feel like he's kind of like in your, cause I'm, I don't know if I said my age, but I'm 31 going on 48. Yeah. Right? 50. <laughs> so, but like, I feel like your age is this, this generation of like, you look homeless, but your outfit's worth like $1,400. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> that gives me anxiety. Whereas yeah. I'm over here, like, this is probably like a, $50 outfit maybe the shoes might be more expensive I don't know I'm not a clothes guy yeah like, you know yeah. I mean I'm into my pink vans right now I do you know that pink vans are cool yeah I'm into these right now but you know I, I think it's always kind of cool when you find there was something for me in like early sobriety where it was like just kind of ripping off this this Shia LaBeouf thing of like when I when I started hearing about celebrities and recovery and some are some are more outspoken than others, but I think I, mean, I think my first realization was Eminem. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like old and white, but that's oh, okay. Go you know ahead. what I mean? Like when I found out he had like substantial like um, a substantial period of recovery, I was like, man, that's like that's kind of cool because like you just don't equate it mm -hmm. to to those types of people. It's like right. well, Eminem's got plenty of money, he's got fame, he's got mm -hmm. glory, he's got six houses, he's got elevators, he's got this and like it kind of goes back to that whole like, you know, from Yale to jail, like addiction doesn't discriminate and you really if you've got some of these key um factors of genetics, environment and experience, then like it can happen to anybody and so that was like kind of a cool moment and then, you know, like Harry Potter dude, Daniel Radcliffe is in recovery. You know what I mean? I think. No, he 100% is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah. The, the Every Flavor Beans, man. They just, they, they got him. Yeah. The what now? The Every Flavor Beans. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, uh, like the little bamboozle things or whatever <laughs> they're called. Like the little, like the, the vomit flavored jelly beans. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> that, done, you've done that? Oh, hey, look, listen. Oh, that that makes Harry guy. Potter world and that Harry Potter hilarious. world is dumb lit. Oh, Harry Potter world, I could live there, dude. Yeah, facts. Yeah, but yeah, Bean Boozled is super fun See, to do. I'm a closet nerd, but I can 100% live there, too. Yeah, 100%, bro. Hey, I would trap out of Harry Potter world. Dude, speaking of addicts and reading books, two years ago, I had never seen... Well, I'll, I'll take that back. I read the first Harry Potter book as it came out. Uh -huh. I think I saw up to maybe the fourth film... In the Goblet of Fire was the last one I saw in theaters. Right. So that was number four. I read the first book, and then that was my that was the extent of my Harry Potter experience. Uh huh. And then two years ago, uh, I was in Second and Charles. And shout out Second and Charles if you want to see, send me some gift cards. If like that's a thing, I don't know really how people get sponsors, but if that's a thing, cool. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I was there, and um. They like created these new covers and like just, I guess, rebranding and remarketing right. the, the covers. And I was like, man, that cover is sick. And then I literally read them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't read all seven. I stopped at like six because again, I got burnt out because I was reading so much. Uh -huh. But I would be, I'd read one, watch a movie, read one, watch a movie, read yeah. one, watch a movie. Um, 
but I still have two books to go. Yeah. The- so like no spoilers, at least for the Harry Potter. All for, right. For me, you know what I mean? Like I know people die, but oh yeah, just keep, keep it open. Just uh, say your say your personal goodbyes to all the characters you like, just in case. Okay, I will say okay. that much. So that's basically like real life. You know what I mean? It's not it's not Game of Thrones, <laughs> right? But, but towards the end, it gets a little bit Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's um, yeah, culture today. You know, we were uh, I was reading. I think I was talking about it earlier is the the Victor the Victor Frankel Man's Search for Meaning book I was reading right now. Yeah, and um just that idea of suffering and you can choose how we suffer. Like he was, um, I mean, even, even today, like in, in active addiction, I chose to suffer and I chose not to do anything about it in my personal life. I still choose to suffer very inwardly a lot of the times. And there are a couple of things that I can do to get out of that. That make me feel 100% better. Yeah. But when he's talking about Auschwitz and in the experience of these prisoners in these camps and, and the SS and the Gestapo, um, you know, and, and he would basically say, like if you give up on life and if you give up on hope and if you give up on any sense of this, the next phase, like kind of sitting in that, that ambivalence of like, this isn't the end. Like if you, if you can't get past that, like you'll die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, in terms of like some spirituality, but you know, I, I was in that space uh, of suffering and I mean, like something got me out. I don't even know if that was my own fruition, but um, it's just interesting. Like that's like such an old book, but like super deep. And my uh, my therapist recommended that I read it, and it's like it's just kind of a game changer. Yeah, it's always weird. You've read it, right? I have read it. It's yeah. been a while. It's always a little strange to say, you know. Obviously, there's so much we can learn, but it's, it, it always feels weird to me to even approach, like, the comparisons uh, of what we go through to what they went through. Well, and, yeah, not to compare. Oh, yeah, no, I know I know that's not what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like there is similarity there to, like, the di- the difference is we do that to ourselves if we don't, like... You know, the, yeah. the, we put ourselves in our own Prison. worst places in the world yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our suffering is self-imposed to, to some extent. There's yeah. probably a lot of different arguments against that. You yeah, know, going back to the genetics and the environment and oh, some yeah. of those are outside of our, it's not ju- our control. It's not just our choices, but some of it is our choices. Yeah, and that's, absolutely. And that's the part that we can change. That's right. I would 100% agree on that. I gotta pee. Okay, go ahead, take a break. Right. Yeah, dude, you're like a you're like a canary. Yeah. Small bladder. <laughs> any yeah. other any other shit you want to talk before I get up? Now's your chance. Speaking to the mic, please. <laughs> no. All right. Thank you. Lame shit. Sorry, I have to have a normal bodily function. Sorry, <laughs> apologize. <laughs> um, you know, Brandon, I think it's always you know I was thinking about you the other day. And just, you know, kind of you going off of what you just said about changing our, um, like our choices, right? Like ultimately some of those come back on us. And you remember like two years, you know, Brandon and, and our, mine and Brandon's family have known each other. They've been neighbors for what, dude, like 30 years? As long as I've been alive longer. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember. And so, you know, it was like, it was like two years ago when my grandma asked 
me to reach out to you, I think. And I did. And I think we texted back and forth a few times, uh, but nothing really ever came of it. And I think that was before you went to Seattle. It was or somewhere around that yeah, time, it was, right? It was like right. It was either right after or right before. Right. So, like, in in by your own admission, would you say that like you were in that that spot of like I'm not really willing to do anything about this? Like, I know something is is damaging, but I'm not in that spot of willingness yet. Yeah, I honestly don't think I was even willing to admit to myself that like I need help to manage what I do. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't there yet. My mom was saying, Brandon, you have these problems. It's interfering with school. It's, you know, and your educational situation is messing up your relationship with us because you're lying about what you did and didn't do in school. And it's, you know, and I've been through that cycle so much and, you know, Seattle helped, but I got back in the cycle. Some other stuff helped, but I got back in the cycle and I'm just now in a place where I can see the cycle and see a way out of it. And honestly, if I wasn't in that place, I wouldn't be doing this because I feel like I would be giving advice to people that would not be beneficial to them. Yeah. But because I'm finding a way out, I feel like I can sit here today. And, you know, I, I wish that I had reached out to you more because... Mm-hmm. Having reached out to you now, obviously, well, it's totally different. Yeah. That's kind of where I was headed. It's like when 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 she called me this time and asked me to reach out to you, and of course I did because one, it's my Gma, and I'll do just about anything to <laughs> that she says to do because yeah. uh, she's a saint. And but like, I just saw that like you and I have never really like hung out or conversated too much, but like goes back to this whole thing of lived experience. Like you and I. When I texted you and I asked you if you wanted to meet and you came by the center, uh, which is the Courage Center, by the way, and you came by and we talked like you and I both automatically understood one another yeah, because we've experienced the same things. Like we have that, we have that internal bond as does me, you know, me and Nathan have it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you and Nathan have it. You know, Jamie in the back recording us. We all have that. That's why we, it's probably really clicks so fast because we understand one another. Yeah. It's that whole tribal unit. But going back to you and these, these changes is like I saw a change in you and I never I didn't even really know you. And then when I mentioned the podcast, dude, you lit up like a Christmas tree. And right then and there I was like, man, there's some purpose for that dude. Yeah. Like there's some drive, there's some ambition. You know what I mean? Now you're in school, now you're doing this and like now you're helping us with the podcast and like you're co-hosting with us and I never thought that was going to be a thing. Oh, neither did but I. But like things just work out and when people are ready to make healthy choices, they'll make healthy choices. And play a solid uh part in you know, my group that I run on Wednesdays, yeah, you know. Yeah, you, for sure. You know, even though, like, everybody else in there is, like, drug and alcohol-based, you know, you always put in some good input, you know. I think that's yeah. vital. Yeah. Vital. And, you know, and people get so lost in the world, dude, and especially in recovery about comparing and this person. Can't stand it. Yeah, it's terrible. And, oh, you didn't, oh, you snorted heroin, not shot heroin? You're not really this, that, and the third. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's mm-hmm. something, like, I've heard since I got into it and comparing and you know, if you really look at each situation for like the real true underlining basis of like what's like 
this at the start and at the baseline, dude. It's all the same. The you know, pill- what I mean? the it's, pillars it's all, are the same. It's all the same, bro. Yeah. And like people like put like these walls up and they block themselves from connection and relationship because they can't understand those concepts, you know. When I was first getting in the rooms and stuff, you know, I was like, you know what, I got to have somebody who's my age to to sponsor me, who's uh, done the same shit I've done, who's done the same things I've done uh, to do. You know what I mean? (laughs) I tried to, like, bleep out the S word or whatever. (laughs) But listen, so I'm like, he's got to be like me, bro. And, you know, I ended up getting sponsored by a five-foot Two homosexual Indian from yeah, Atlanta right. who drank wine. Right. I'm six five heterosexual white guy yeah. who did hard drugs. You right. know what I mean? Right. On the outside, bro, you would see nothing in common. But me and him like connected like no other dude, and we became so close. And he helped me out more yeah. than like most people have in my entire life. You know what I mean? And it was when I dropped those barriers and dropped those. I need this. I need that. Yeah. I'm looking for this i'm looking for that and like kind of saw the situation for what it was and that was bit like beauty was built out of that and uh so we are a people that normally would not mix man yeah Yeah. me and you oh dude no No way i would have robbed you yeah i'd have fought you for sure yeah (laughs) Yeah, you got you got crazy reach though yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that pisses me off dude I promise, bro. It would have just like we just come from like different, you yeah. know. We would have met in a trailer somewhere though. Like, yeah, in passing. Some, yeah, like in Gaston, had some girl pit pocket you or something. Yeah, for sure, probably. And then know? I'm like, where did my drugs go? Yeah, like I thought I, you were and I'd cool. Be like, hey man, I hope you find them. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing they're in my pocket. Yeah, dude, my crack dealer robbed me one time, like just right out from under me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I'm stealth, and I'm yeah. just in the corner, like. uh you know the best uh, the best Joker portrayal I really think is Mark Hamill in the animated series from the '90s. Like you guys are all, you guys are over there, you know, wondering what what's going on, and I'm just talking some other dude's ear off about Batman. <laughs> That's my whole thing. Huh. And my life is still absolutely ruined, but I'm just over here like, oh yeah. So in this so in this particular comic run, like. That's that's where I would be. I wouldn't know you guys, and I'm really glad I do. Like, I, yeah, you're a cool dude, yeah, man. And I and I wouldn't. I wanted. I've always wanted to. Not always, but I've wanted to host a podcast or be part of a podcast for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't just do that with two random dudes who I don't know, who I don't have anything in common with. And yeah, like you, like you're saying, if I met you guys, just in a setting. I wouldn't know how to connect with you, but because right. we've all been down the same path or similar paths, like yeah. there's just there's not these walls that are even in normal interactions because right. you know we we met in a place where none of us would be if we weren't screwed up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we know that about each other right from the right from the beginning, and yeah, you know the faults like. Yeah. Off if, the rip. Yeah, if you if you know that about other people, and if they know that about you, that can lead to some of the strongest bonds mm. that you're ever gonna have in recovery or out of it. Because yeah, somebody doesn't have to be in recovery to struggle with the same stuff that we do. You know, well, it's like true connection too, man. Like in past relationships, it's all. This facade of I have to make sure that I like you, so we have to do like-minded things and this and that. And really, the theme was always surrounded by, 
you know, for me drinking and drugging, you know, and then when, like you just said, when you take that away, like, like the things that I'm searching for in my past life to make sure that I like you are the things that you introduce yourself to me with. Yeah. And like, it cuts out half the work. And then, you know, like I've already felt like I've known you longer than I really have. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's just kind of weird. And then Nathan and I have only known each other for like a year, but he's my brother. Yeah. You it's, know? it's in a way it's like, same thing with Jamie. Yeah. Has it been a year? I mean, this yeah. summer, yeah. yeah. I met you last summer. Yeah. And if yeah. we haven't already, God, I know. if we haven't already done it, all the props in the world to Jamie because we are imposing on his time and using his studio, and he is super kindly uh, recording us. And oh, don't don't be fooled. He's us. getting paid. Don't be fooled. I mean, <laughs> yeah, probably. Still, like, hey, but honestly though, the juice of her poster in his bathroom. Yeah, how much you want for it, Jamie? <laughs> yeah. No, this is, uh, yeah, Jamie, is, uh, Jamie has allowed us to do this in Slow Radio, which is his studio over here in Irmo. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful live space. So if, uh, if you are uh, listening to this podcast and you need some recovery, well, if you need some recovery and possibly some recording services, services, uh, services, services, he can help you out with that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, just this, yeah, a year, dude, a year we've known each other. That's crazy. I don't know. Back yeah. in the carton house. Man, I, Dude, I've been, like I said, I've been clean and sober a little, a little, a couple months over two years, but I feel like it's been a lifetime because if you would have told me a year ago, you know, I'd be where I am right now, I would have like been like, that's strange because probably not, you know, it's just a lot has happened in this like short amount of time. And I've been conscious for most of it, you know, yeah. like all of it really, right. you know, so and that's new and that's still like growing and still building. But, um, you know, man, this being sober and being clean it's not always easy and i'm not gonna lie it's not always fun dude but dude, it is getting like sober sucks, oh, sucks. no time. one ever says big that time. big time no one ever says nope. going to treatment yeah uh taking your medicine away from you that you've used to cope with so long or taking the video yeah. games away and then now you're gonna go be thrusted in with a bunch of strangers and hopping on flights and staying in here in this halfway house or maybe not but whatever like but the the gig is I don't up. Know about no hopping on flights but you know what i mean yeah, like maybe but, you, maybe you go to a different state but i'm yeah. just saying like getting oh, sober 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. sucks it's staying sober that's the golden ticket yeah. but dude like what i was gonna say is or like, in recovery as brandon you yeah. know what i mean it's there's been nothing more worthwhile for me to ever do and i had to do a lot of stuff that was uncomfortable to get to where i am that was hard mm -hmm. that i didn't want to do that i didn't like and I have never reaped more benefits from anything in my entire life. I had more blessings, dude. Like, yeah. you know, I went from like having nothing and being homeless to like having my own apartment, a car that I bought and paid for myself. You know what I mean? Caddy. Yeah. A wardrobe that I paid for. You know what I mean? Nice stuff like food. Like if I want it, dude, you know what I mean? It's not like the best food. I buy Zaxby's a lot, but it's food. <laughs> you know what I mean? I buy it. So like, yeah. dude, and before I weighed 148 pounds and you're six. six Five, five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was like i got to treatment and they told me i was like 70 something pounds underweight for like the minimum of my height or something like that yeah. and now that is not the case i have gained a lot of that back oh, but but yeah like i keep telling you man dad bod's in the dad bod is in yeah i, I mean like so. 
I mean, the dad bod does work for you, though. It does. Like, Every for some time. reason, like, I look at you and I'm like, I mean, you'd be a monster if you ever came to the gym with Facts. me. Because you'd have just, you're 6'5", and you'd have crazy Hey, wait on games. it. It'll happen. Yeah. I'll but, get like, there. I swear dad bod still works on you in some, like, crazy, sexy way. I know. I just I don't I get it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Listen. It's, it's, it's all good. Hey, I don't get it either, but guess what? I don't have to, <laughs> no. and I don't need to. Yeah, because it works. Qu- yeah, why yeah. question it? Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, yeah. why yeah. fix something that ain't broken? You yeah, know? it's so weird. Yeah, guy works. But like, dude, I look dead. Like, I know I've shown you some videos and pictures of me from oh. like, yeah, a lot from like back in the day, like at my worst. Skeletor, dude. Oh man, it was yeah. bad, dude. All right, so let me paint this picture for you real fast. Yeah, I went from one forty eight at six foot five in ten months. I went to I went to Florida. And I was in Florida for treatment, in and out of treatment centers, homeless, this, that, and the third, halfway houses, running away, blah, blah, blah. I was down in Florida for about 10 and a half months. When I first got there, I was 148. They put me on six different psych meds. Mm -hmm. I went from 148 to 268 in 10 months. How much do you weigh now? 220. But listen, (laughs) I came back home. Okay, I quit taking the psych meds that puffed me up. Right. I started smoking crystal meth again. Right. And I went from like 268 to like 220 in like four and a half, five weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been the same weight ever since, and that was over two years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just a quick aside. Yeah. Nathan, you said one of your things is crystal meth. So they thought it was a good idea to bring you to Florida. Yeah. Anybody else see the... There's crystal meth anywhere, dude. I can get crystal meth in freaking Mexico if I'd like to. Well, you know? yeah. The, there's chocolate everywhere, but <laughs> if you go to Hershey, Pennsylvania, there's more chocolate. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, dude. Honestly, mm. I didn't even get my hands on any crystal in Florida. Yeah. I got heroin mostly from like like the Haitian neighborhoods and stuff. Like I would ride my bike and cop dope in like Haitian neighborhoods. I never smoked any crystal in Florida. I tell, never found crystal in tell, Florida. Tell them about the face tat from florida man i got a couple face tats well i mean isn't isn't one like from the whole insurance and no no i mean like selling. i got it while i was in florida but oh, i was in okay. a blackout i thought that was kind of how they like tagged you or something like that no hell no that had nothing to do where with any of that? that no idea where you heard that okay but like i was like in an insurance like plotting scheme um you know like i was like in a treatment center, I was in a legitimized treatment center at first. I went to a halfway house. Um, I pretty much got poached by these guys called marketers. Mm-hmm. And what they do, long story short, to like dumb down what I'm about to say is pretty much these sketchy dudes work for <laughs> sketchy treatment centers. And the treatment centers would give the dudes cash mm-hmm. uh, to give me cash as an incentive to give them my insurance for them, my insurance pay for treatment. Right. So they could pay me anywhere from a thousand of three thousand dollars to sit in a treatment center for four weeks mm-hmm. but my insurance will pay them out twenty eight thousand you know what i mean right so the marketer gets a cut i get a cut the treatment center gets their cut and everybody's happy thing is they've shut down a lot of that they've cracked down on a ton of that it's right. made it like very difficult to do and like i've had my some of my marketers and un, like other people who have gone to prison for human trafficking for that yeah, I bet, dude. I mean, yeah, it was. That a, is what it is. It was a big deal. It was yeah. a huge yeah. deal, and it was crazy, dude. I had guys, you know, hold me up in apartments, give me drug dealers' numbers, give me drugs, feed me drugs, like take me to the mall, buy me stuff from the mall, yeah. give me cash, dude. All types of stuff. Gnarly. 
really? all time. Oh, dude, it was crazy. And then I'd get out of treatment, have a little bit of cash, blow it, sleep on the beach for a couple nights, mm-hmm. call up old girl, pull up to her place, stay yeah. with her for a couple weeks, rob her, right. leave that place, go back to treatment, get some more money, get right. out. Like, I did that a couple times, right. you know what I mean? And, like, I was in a vicious loop, bro, down there for a hot minute. Mm. Yeah. It was nuts. It was nuts. I was 18. I was 18 years old. 18 to 19. I played a lot of Dragon Age. Lit. <laughs> what is Dragon Age? <laughs> it's a video game. How how many hours do you think you put into Dragon Age? I couldn't tell you. How how many hours would you play like consecutively? Uh consecutively? Yeah. Maybe like 5 or 6 uh on like the big days right i shouldn't say that it was like but it was like i would do nothing else when i needed to that was the thing is i wouldn't just be like all right i'm gonna take a saturday where i don't have anything else to do play like five hours of this and then go and eat something and do normal person stuff i would wait i would do it when i knew i had a paper due when i knew Mm. i had a family event when I knew I had anything I didn't want to do, and mm. it, that's what made it toxic. Is Interesting. How, is how I used it. And What's your longest th- session of all time? Longest one sit-down session? For video games. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe like 10 hours once. I don't remember. I get twitchy. I can't, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do that. I can't do just that. I think I've hit longer than I've definitely hit longer than a ten hour session. Yeah, and like I've hit like twelve or fourteen before on Fallout. Yeah, and like by itself, maybe not twelve or fourteen, but like it's that's the whole thing. It's like it's not always the quantity. Mm -hmm. It's the it's what it's whether you use it as a part of your life or a way to not live a part of your life check this out right here just go into that point now this this is from a liter uh, some literature you know specifically related to to alcoholism right but right. but just check out this this line of thinking here it says i do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control right um, i have had many men who have had for example worked a period of months on some problem or business deal which was to be settled on a certain date and more importantly, favorably to them. They took a drink or day, a day or so prior to that date and the phenomenon of craving, um, at once became so paramount or dominant to all other interests that the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. And that's just basically what you said. You know what I mean? Take out the word alcohol and put the word dragon age in. You know what I mean? Like, it became paramount to everything else in your life. It became yeah. dominant to everything else in your life. And you had no mental control over it. Yeah. You know? And the frustrating thing is, you know, a lot of the stuff I used like that, not not Dragon Age specifically, but the other stuff that I that I used like that, the books, the the uh discussion around the games, the TV shows, the movies. Yeah. Now I can use a lot of that as like experiences with other people right in like the way that i think they're supposed to be and i can i have like good memories mm-hmm. i have like i 
get closer to people. And I'm like, this is what I could have been doing the whole time. Right. And it's so. Oh, this is life. Yeah. This is what life is like. Interesting. I met. I had that same. I had that same come to moment. I had that 100% same come to moment. You know, like I was in the halfway house. It was like a couple weeks in. Like, um, the I was in I was in this program for about a year and a half and uh, a little under a year and a half. But you know, I like I had these groups with these same five guys over and over and over again. I hated all five of them. I hated all five of them, dude. I hated them so much. We all argued. I almost got hit in the head with a metal pan over some bacon for like my first week there. And, uh, and you know, like honestly, like a couple of us, like we, we, cause like two of us were court ordered. The other one was there. He like pretended like he didn't want to be there, but like he definitely wanted to be there. And like the other two guys had been like the guys who'd been there for a long, long time. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, we kind of all just like at a certain point just kind of got frustrated and like upset and like quit, like wanting to argue and like bicker and, back and forth so much you know and and once we finally started connect i'm like you know like damn like i just kind of had this aha moment about like people other than myself you know right. what i mean and um that was crazy to me and that was the first time like i actually saw somebody as a human and i said hey man this guy's struggling too this mm-hmm. guy's going through it too this guy deals with a lot of same stuff I'm dealing with. It's not all about me here. And that was like big for me because I had never thought about that. You know, it was always what they did to me, what this person made me do and that person made me do, you know what I mean? And it was like, wow, like, like really truly putting myself in somebody else's shoes. You know what I mean? Right. When when you stop seeing other people as like obstacles Mm. or or like these like you were saying, look what he did to me, and they're they're just doing stuff to me all the time. That that's when you like see them as people and you bond with them. Like I met my girlfriend. Well, I met my girlfriend in a class I was taking, but we started a friendship because we're both into Doctor Who. If nobody knows what Doctor Who is, it's that British show that your really nerdy friend is always trying to make you watch. <laughs> it's got the blue phone booth. You've seen it. Uh we're both in the I Doctor know the Who. phone booth. That's the extent of my knowledge. Oh, don't don't even get me started. That could be an entire bonus episode. Fair enough. Uh, <clears throat> but she didn't she didn't have the channel that it was on at her house. So I was like, just come over to my house, watch it. The new season's coming on. And where I would have where before I would have not tried to relate what I was doing to anybody. Yeah. I would have ju- it would have just been a thing that I loved and it was only for me and i would have started using it wrong because i was sharing it because i could talk with her about it 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 became something that we bonded over in a healthy way and we realized we had feelings for each other and i'm in the best relationship i've ever been in and it's it's, it's great more like dr love huh oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Send them pics. Like, got them. Oh, yeah. yeah, got the him. Mirror pics. <laughs> all right, all right. But the, that's what that's what I mean. Like that's what for for me and for people who struggle with balance f- with stuff that's not necessarily inherently addictive mm. or brain chemistry altering, which or obvious is, or obvious, which is so many people, whether they know it about themselves or not, like. If you can find the balance, what you already enjoy, 
will be so much better because it will be helping you because it it can help you if you if you use it in the right way and it will make you it will help make you a better person no doubt man no doubt i think that's a uh i think that's a good cliffhanger right there brandon you know um yeah find the balance always whatever that may be you know i think this uh i think this journey is going to be cool with all of us um i hope i hope people can get something out of this you know we're going to be not sure we're thinking weekly for this um maybe bi-weekly and dropping these so um you know you can visit the courage center on couragecentersc.org that's our website courage center sc is also our tag for instagram facebook twitter youtube you know check us out see what we got going on um if you're in the area please reach out email our phone numbers everything's on the website if if you need to find something for you or someone you love uh, we're always available um, at any given time. Also, we didn't mention, but Nathan is also our recovery coordinator at the Courage Center. So Nathan and I are both employees of the Courage Center. Brandon is just our our awesome new friend. I did is, mention that. Oh, did you? Yeah. All right, facts. He was uh, on this journey with us. But, um, you know, just to give you a future um, in terms of content, I mean, I think we all kind of hash it out that we want to touch on, you know, the, the rise of addictive technology and social media uh, pop culture, the science of addiction, you know, spirituality, you know, really maybe dive into more of the political sense of the legalization of, of, of cannabis and MAT and drug culture and politics and uh, finding your tribe, relationships, balance, um, vaping. We might even talk, talk a little bit about that. You know, it's that's a weird one, but it's there. It's relevant. Um, you know, some PTSD, some trauma, uh, and ultimately stigma. And so if any of those topics, and I'm sure those will be interchangeable as the, as the season continues, but uh, join us, um, hang out with us, uh, reach out to us. Uh, I unfortunately don't have any social media. I'm one of those people, but I'm sure Nathan and Brandon do. Uh, I know Jamie does at Slow Radio if you want anything. Um, you know, if your band needs to somewhere to rehearse or to record, reach out to him. Again, we want to thank the Courage Center for allowing us this opportunity. We want to thank Susan and Scotty Mill for uh, even giving us the Courage Center to allow us to have this opportunity. And more importantly, we want to thank Central Carolina Community Foundation for being so generous uh, with their funding to, again, bring this and disseminate some of our, our minds and our, our views and recovery philosophy uh, with the public. So until next time. <laughs>